Hello, and welcome to today's session, CIO Live. My name is Chris Holmes, I'm Editor-at-Large, and this is part of our Leadership in Technology series. I'm very pleased to welcome Sharon Ung, Ministry Family CIO for MTI at GovTech today. And we're gonna be talking about leadership, digital change, and new technology adoption. But before we get into those details, maybe Sharon, you could just give us a little bit of about your background and how you became a tech leader. Sure, sounds good. Hi, Chris, great to be here. Um, yeah, I, I uh, am a typical science grad, uh, love technology, uh, technology at heart, and really started my career as a software engineer and then kind of moved up to lead large software development teams. Uh, across uh, the globe, actually. So that's really exciting. Um, yes, and uh, and I've actually took a, a pause of tech when I was, I was bored uh, and then actually look at, you know, driving and running a business unit uh, for one of the tech companies and, uh, and really enjoy that. Um, and then going back to lead transformation and I uh, did that a couple of years and now I'm back into the tech space, which is really exciting. To lead digital transformation for our smart nation. That's great to hear. And again, I, I, that that jump going from sort of a, a tech vendor back into the end user, and particularly government, that must have been a very interesting move for you. Oh, uh, very. <laughs> to say the least, I think um, one thing that strikes me uh, quite immediately is is the uh, rigor. Uh, actually in the public sector for uh, a lot of the things that the public sector do, they, they really do go through uh, much rigor and considerations uh, versus if you talk about more of the private sector where we really want to make decisions uh, and we move a little bit quicker because we don't have that uh, many considerations in terms of risk and national interests. Uh, that kind of risk is different. Ours is more dollar and cents public sector is more, you know, uh, national uh, interest for citizens and businesses, which is a lot more on, on the table, at stake, right? Yeah. And so, I mean, really nice sort of segue into this conversation around leadership. And again, I mean, you know, you, you, you talked about sort of leading, well, global teams, um, and now you're, you're, you're leading um, uh, teams. <laughs> teams in Singapore. Um, so what is it that actually makes a team actually work in your experience? Mm. I think trust for me. It's uh, really the glue, uh, not just with your immediate teams, but also to be able to remove roadblocks for them uh, ahead. Uh, you know, you kind of plan three steps ahead and you look at your stakeholders around you um, I think what makes a team is really understanding the uh, what's the purpose, you know, the why, uh, why we do what we do, and not so much on the what and the how. But if we figure out as a why as a team, I think I really see teams that uh, do well and high performing teams. They 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 can articulate the why very well for. For themselves, but also for the organization. 
So that, that, that really, that sort of communication and that understanding as to where people fit in that, uh, mm. fit in that bigger picture. Yeah. And then, of course, once you, you have the trust, so understanding your why and then building the trust. Um, trust is such, a, is such a big word as well. It's how do you build trust with people that you don't like or you don't enjoy working with. Um, and in, in our life we face, right, whether it's your bosses or your colleagues, there will be some people that are just, you know, for some reason, chemistry doesn't work as well. Um, so I'll say as leaders, uh, we have to be sensitive to what those are and, and try to remove those roadblocks, uh, what I call organization barriers, which, which could be imposed by us because we, the way we set up the teams on their focus areas, we create competition unnecessarily. Um, but, and, but I think I go back to the culture as well, right? I think the culture of the organization and even teams within big organizations may have different cultures across depending on how the leadership impacts the group. And, uh, and you know, culture is something that you really need to operationalize and you have to see through action, not just cheap words or you know, uh, just talk about culture all, all day long, uh, but yet we do something different. So for me and my team, I think that's uh, one of the focus areas that we spend a lot of time on is uh, really identifying what are some of the, um, the difficulties in perhaps operationalizing some of these cultures that I was talking about. Uh, so, you know, in GovTech, we actually have our GovTech way, which is, you know, act with purpose, uh, model empathy, and then develop people. And we make sure that the leaders are living every day those principles, right? Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. And that I think that that modeling the behavior that you want others to follow, I think is is something I've been hearing from a, a lot of leaders I've been speaking to. Don't just say it, but you've actually got to show it. Yes, show up uh, the way you say we should show up. Um, I think leaders have a tough job really trying to um, leave some of these values if, if they they're not used to it yeah excellent excellent so okay so let's um let's sort of um uh, uh move on from that leadership conversation hmm. and talk around this notion around digital change i mean singapore is you know, at the forefront of a lot of um, digital adoption for the citizens and across the city. What actually inspires that digital change? Is it more sort of the business sort of government pulling through ideas or is there a technology push where mm. new technologies have come up and, um, and you're looking for ways to implement them? Yes, I can offer my perspective. Um, you know, I think for, for me and my team and specifically, you know, through... COVID, going through COVID times and, and now, uh, a lot of the digital change are inspired firstly to elevate some business problems that we are seeing uh, or we're trying to solve, whether it's a national level uh, or whole government level. Uh, it can also be specific to a uh, you know, specific function that has. So I think in terms of uh, aspiring change, we need to look at solving the business problems and then being very clear about what outcomes are we trying to drive and measure measure it, right? Um, I think the second point is really about, you know, being clear also. Uh, 
what are we changing from and to, right? So the transformational, uh, rather than, oh, there's a new AI technology or there's a new uh, cool uh, hype that comes out with. I, mean, I remember when blockchain chain came onto the scene. Uh, so what's this blockchain thing? How do I use it? Uh, for me, being a technologist, I obviously will be curious how it's solving business problems. How can we use technology to solve business problems versus what we are doing today? If there's a better way of doing it, one step versus three steps uh, or a way that we can actually be more productive in saving time and money uh, on getting our destination faster. I think those will be some of the uh, considerations as we, you know, as to what aspire the change, right? The digital change. And I think you bring up a really interesting point there as well. And it, 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 as I say, it's a great lead into the next part of the conversation. And it's something that um, we've been having a lot of conversation about, which is this notion around how do we actually separate the, the hype from reality? Mm. You know, how do we actually decide which technologies we're going to invest time, we're going to invest effort in, and we're actually going to look to actually introduce into the organization versus uh, 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 some of the claims that are out there that, I mean, you talk about blockchain. I mean, I'll go back and remember RFID, which was going yes. to sort of fundamentally change everything. <laughs> and I mean, <laughs> I'm sure there's a, there's a long history of these type of mm. things, but, but how do you actually, uh, put in place processes and how do you actually make those decisions as mm. to, okay, which technologies warrant further investigation? Mm. Yes. For me, uh, I have a methodology that I use which really uh, looks at, uh, first of all, the smell test, right? Uh, the smell test uh, in terms of whether it is, a mat is it mature enough to be um, to even warrants, you know, a deeper dive into that. I think cost is also another aspect, right? If it's, if it's like, oh, it's really cool, but you know what? It's it's too costly. It costs an arm and a leg to even try and do any proof of concept. Uh, then that goes out of the window. So um, technology, there's always going to be new things. You know, the pace of change is just tremendous, right? There, there's always going to be new innovative uh, technology that comes out, which I think is great because then if not, it will be, it will be such a boring uh, space to be in. Um, but at the same time, uh, those, are the, those are the two areas, right, which I mentioned. Uh, so first of all, the smell test. Uh, and how do we do a smell test? Uh, you know, it could be as simple as thinking about some of the use cases, whether this can be used. I, I'll give you an example, GPT 4.0. Uh, there's a lot of talk about chat GPT and and people have tried using it. I've tried using it. Uh, actually, I thought it's, it's actually quite a useful uh, engine to have. But what we use it for in terms of uh, the use cases is equally important. And uh, technology at the end of the day is really just an enabler. It's not something that you will replace. Uh, some film folk was sharing with me, oh, they are, you know, do we think that AI will, will uh, replace some of the jobs, right? They pass the bar exams and, and uh, medical exams and so forth and so forth. Um, I guess it's relative. Yeah, so for me, uh, once you've done the smell test, you invest, I'll invest in a, a discovery process whereby we actually look at potential use cases that we can actually capitalize on this. 
And if there's a if cost-effective way of actually delivering something that brings value quickly, um, and we can demonstrate that, that would that would be my uh, hype bubble burst, right? That's like actually it's it's, it's workable. If um yeah, I think it's also sometimes industry problems that we are trying to solve. So like blockchain example, it's very useful for banks, financial institutions. They, they are the ones who are the first to capitalize on, on it more than say other industries uh, that probably will not think that it is such a big deal, right, for them. So, I mean, that's an interesting point. So also starting to look at sort of how other industries are actually bringing in some of this new hmm. technology. Yes, that's right. Uh, I think technology is becoming so uh, multifaceted that uh, depending on your industry and the type of business problems that you're trying to solve, you know, to apply like medicine, you know, is you apply the right medicine for the the, the symptoms or the, the condition. Uh, same thing, you can't use one technology and expect it to do all the things that you, you want it to do. So it's really how we then uh, reuse some of this when we, when we develop technology, we look at uh, making it reusable so that uh, it's modular, it's reusable, and, and it forms a very strong foundational tech stack for uh, multi-use uh, multi cases. And more and more, you see that the design of great products are in that form, where you can actually, uh, I only want this part, not the rest. So... Let me just take that and do and the use of APIs and um, you know try to interconnect. I think the other part is also about data, right? Uh, you can have all the best tech, but you have lousy, unclean, dirty data. It's no use. It's not going to make any sense of whatever. Even with ChatGPT, if you feed it with lousy information, I'm sure you'll get gibberish. Yeah. Yeah, rubbish in equals rubbish out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Still can't get away from that. So actually, I mean, uh, let me just ask you a, a, a very simple question, and I'm sure the answer might be a little bit more complex, but I mean, what new technology are you most excited about uh, mm. looking at the near-term future? I mean, you mentioned ChatGPT a few times. Mm. I think definitely, uh, you know, AI has been around for the longest time. Since I was a university student, like 20 over years ago, it's been around, right? Neural networks and stuff like that. Uh, in terms of technology, there's really the AI part that I have always been interested in because I think that's, uh, that's just going to help uh, us make better decisions, uh, you know, more... Uh, take away some of the heavy processing that you know that computational power is is uh, is useful for, um, and and many times I think you are always wanting to do decisions, right? So decision making has always been um, kind of the uh, the roadblock, you know, like what data do I need to make decisions, and you know you you don't have the luxury of time. So AI I think uh, can help in these areas. Uh, the other part that I'm very passionate about is also uh, cybersecurity. I know it's, it's one of those defense stuff, uh, uh, defense in terms of our cyber resilience in protecting you know, our intellectual property as well as our platforms um, and solutions. It is such a area that people don't spend a lot of time. They, they don't think about it. They don't want to invest in it. They just think it's, uh, yeah, okay, as long as nothing happens to us, there's no leakage, 
you know, uh, they don't want to think about it. But uh, I would say the companies that are resilient and companies who really outperform their competitors, one of the things they do very well fundamentally is uh, not neglect the cyber resilience part. Because you spend millions and millions of dollars building great technology for your customers and partners. The last thing you want is to have a defaced uh, a defaced page or, or my credit card details are gone, right? The trust, as I mentioned earlier, right from the start, even trust with, you know, with your teams is important, but even more important with your customers and partners, isn't it? So I think that that is those things. Uh, I, for one, uh, well, I, I started off my uh, career as a software engineer, so I love actually, uh, I miss doing coding, uh, honestly, going back to those days where you can just put on your headset, don't talk to me, I'm um, just going to write my beautiful code and see it, see it working. Um, I would say that I do play, I do play with uh, some of the new languages, um, just to make sure that I don't get too rusty and also try out some of these new components that are out there uh, or build some mobile apps. But, you know, technology, as I said, is so interesting. It's so multifaceted, um, mostly to do what I want it to do, right? What, what do I want to automate in my own life? Uh, which which uh, hopefully that kind of gives you a little bit of uh, insight into, you know, the kind of uh, new tech that I go after, yeah. No, that's great. Thanks. Thanks for that answer, Sharon. I mean, there's a, a lot of things you actually bring up. And I think it's very interesting you actually bring up security there. And also, I mean, how we actually have to embed security in those new products, those new services, those new innovations that we're actually coming, coming mm. up with. Um, again, an area that sometimes gets forgotten. So, I mean, looking forward now, I mean, we're, we're seeing all this, um, you know, the generative AI coming, coming out and uh, uh, it's all over the news as to how it's going to, as you mentioned, pass the bar exams, pass medical exams, and well, you know, there's going to be X million jobs lost through to this. But some of the things that it is starting to do is to really challenge the boundaries as to where we see the technology, um, uh, where technology can actually be deployed. So, mm. I mean, how do you think about, I mean, you mentioned use cases before, yeah, but when we talk about use cases, they're typically things that are already sort of happening today. How do you actually look at maybe doing something different, sort of the breakthroughs, the real sort of inventiveness, innovation? Yeah, you do actually have to spend time thinking about this. Um, and and I, I usually would just interview people and talk to people about... Um, so one of my... One of the... Uh, digital transformation that we're trying to do from a government to business perspective. How do we, how do we deliver better um, digital services to businesses to help them to grow, internationalize, um, and then, you know, in the end, as, as a result, boost our economy, right? Um, and when I think about, whenever I think about that, I, 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 will, talk to, I will talk to people who own businesses or uh, companies and here, here where are their pain points? Because with technology, there's nothing that you can do. So then what is the problem? <laughs> uh, and many times you hear that it is really down to uh, having the right skill sets, uh, you know, building the expertise uh, within or solving some really fundamental inefficiencies within 
how department to department, uh, you know, pass information or how do they actually operationalize their their work uh, better, right? Um, as you said, this is still very much the now, like, yeah, these are the issues now, but what about in the future? And what gets me excited is also uh, how do we wow our stakeholders, right? And um, so, so to be able to kind of dream, dream big, on uh, what is it that if I can just close my eyes and you know and then press a button and everything gets done perfect you know that's that's awesome. I think I think the problem is uh, many people or companies don't are not very clear about where they want to go and that's always the 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 challenge the destination because there's so many uh, moonshots or too many moonshots that they are trying to achieve where it's where you kind of come down to, are we able to execute that feasibly? So as a rule of thumb for me I, I, and my team, right, I think uh, we don't go beyond two to three years. Um, okay, And then there's, of course, the moonshot for five years and 10 years. But that really has to uh, take into the, the hype cycle, as we talk about just now, the hype. You know, what are the emerging technologies? Before 5G and IoT and sensors came into the picture, uh, or robotics came into the picture, you know, there were there were already uh, such capabilities uh, that certain industries are using, like, for example, uh, a lot of the factories, the manufacturing, right, uh, for their, for their um, goods assembling and, and the food industry as well, they are using a lot of this, uh, even for DHL and, you know, they're using robotic glasses and, and so forth. I think um, that's because they are also very clear about where are the inefficiencies and how to move that notch up three times. So I would say that I will always start from the being very clear about the two state, the to be state. And then whatever that state is, try and dream bigger beyond that. Um, so for government to business um, digital services, you know, we 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 also talk to other countries as well. I mean, I talk to other country leaders to just find out uh, my counterparts in other countries to see what are you thinking of, you know, uh, I said, oh, wow, actually, I found out that uh, Service New South Wales in Australia, um, they have really kind of uh, done some great things, you know, in terms of delivering uh, one uh, experience for their citizens where they, they, through their mobile, they can do almost anything and everything with the government. I think, uh, if you talk to me five years ago, I would say that nothing is impossible, but the fact that they've actually been able to conceptualize and deliver it and see the value, uh, you know, the immediate feedback that citizens can give to government, that yeah, this policy is five star. I love it. You know, it helps me. I think simple things like that is so transformational. So we should think, we should think more along those lines. And I think... Uh, Continuous learning from our peers uh, helps crystallize some of these plans that people have. And I would say we will not be say, oh, you know what? I'm very clear five years later, this is what I'm going to do. It's very difficult. So we just have to iterate as well. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. That constant need to sort of reiterate and almost redefine what that 2B state looks like, but also mm. sort of focus on that 
short near term, that sort of two to three years, which is where you can actually sort of, uh, uh, I suppose, predict more what, what's actually going to be delivered and also mm. predict more what people are, go are going to be looking for. And also, as you mentioned, that need to actually communicate both with um, those outside of um, uh, the industry, but your the, the customers, the citizens, um, and, and just get that feedback so to understand what they're actually looking for. Yeah, like what works, what does not. So uh, you don't actually have to go through the learning yourself. It's costly. Yes. Fantastic. Sharon, that's all we've got time for today. Um, thank you so much for uh, uh, talking to us today and giving your uh, guidance on leadership, digital change and new technology adoption. Um, it's been fascinating to listen as to how you actually manage these topics. So once again, thank you very much. Thank you, Chris. And, and thanks, everybody, for uh, watching this episode. Um, if anybody's got any questions, comments, please uh, drop uh, a note to me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm Chris Holmes, uh, Editor-at-Large for CIO here in ASEAN.